This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy, here's something amazing to help you keep it together. One, two, three. Craft sanity, craft sanity. Hello and welcome to episode 173. I'm very excited to bring you an interview with Anne Wheel. Anne is the author of Knitting Without Needles, A Stylish Introduction to Finger and Arm Knitting. This is a brand new book that just came out and is super fun. When I was editing the show, I was actually finger knitting. It has been a little while since my last finger knitting extravaganza. Made myself a little headband from Anne's book. Very <laughs> cute and very fun and very fast. These projects are gratifying in that they don't take days and days and days that some uh, knitting projects on regular needles take. So it involves just your fingers and your arms and it's a great introduction for people who want to get into knitting who have never tried it. You don't have to be experienced to enjoy this book. So I think you're going to enjoy the conversation that Anne and I have about how she got from a career in the world of finance and business over to a handmade business and a blog called Flax and Twine, teaching all of the country and all these things that Anne is doing now. So it's going to be, I think, pretty inspirational for you to hear what she did to get where she wanted to be. And that's where she is right now in Denver, Colorado, crafting up a storm and blogging about it and teaching folks along the way. So before we get into the conversation, I want to thank my Patreon sponsors. Thank you very much to each and every one of you. And also a special thanks to ACS Home and Work, my continued sponsor of this podcast. You can head over to acshomeandwork.com to check out some great home goods that you can use in your crafting. I like to use the tea towels especially because I am a printmaker, and I love to work with fabric. You can also embroider on these as well. There's plenty of other stuff on their website, so check out acshomeandwork.com and tell them Jennifer sent you. All right, so grab a project and a cup of tea and settle in for my conversation with Anne. For those who don't know about you and your book, uh, how would you explain? Because you do a lot of different things. You're not a one-trick pony by any means. Like <laughs> you are into yeah, yeah. a lot of different things. Um, so. In fact, people always tell me to narrow down, but I just can't. I, you know, don't don't listen to them because honestly, <laughs> like I've had people tell me that too, and I'm like, okay, so that'd be like kind of cutting off an arm or something, and that would be just ridiculous, you know? I mean, that's, <laughs> yes, so, yeah, I, mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's like, why would you do that? But um, I know for plenty of people, they have, and and there, I think there is some truth to picking something and really like 
you know, seeing how far you can run with it. And, and you, you definitely did that with the, with the knitting without needles, your new book. Yes, I did. And this is a stylish introduction to finger and arm knitting. So you didn't just stick with the arm knitting. You included the fingers too, which is fabulous. Yes. I (laughs) thought that was really important. Yeah. And actually that's how the whole thing started was the finger knitting. You want me to tell you a little background about how this all Yeah, I think we should back up. I think we should back up. You said you live in Denver now. Now, where are you you from originally? I originally grew up in Minneapolis, right in the city, spent my my whole life there through high school, and then went to the East Coast for college, and um, then worked in New York for about eight years, and um, that was me in my investment banking days. So I was a financial trader and um, investment banker for about an investor for about six years. And then from there, I just decided I had to get out of the city. And um, I had led backpacking trips out of Jackson before, Jackson, Wyoming. And uh, I loved backpacking. I loved the mountains. And I decided I just needed to go do that. I needed to go be in the mountains again. And I, um, my husband and I picked Boulder. We quit our jobs. We, We weren't we weren't husband and wife at that point, but if I can interrupt you for a second, where were you? So you were living when you decided to quit your jobs. You were in what city were you in? So we were in New York City. Okay, all right. And, and what was he doing? So this at that is time? Was post he... college. So we were both investment bankers and um, working crazy hours, and um, and you know, in reality, it was just never a passion of mine. I was one of those kids that was just raised being like, be the best you can be, go to the best, do the best kind of one of those, um, I don't know how much of that pressure was me or my family or, you know, I'm just one of those people. You just kind of rode that wave though. Like, okay, I'm going to be a high achiever and and I'm going to go as far as this this takes me. Yes. And so that meant like the best college, the best job. Where where did you go to, where did you go to college? So I went to Yale. Okay. And just um, Yale, just Yale. I went to central Michigan. It doesn't really hold up. So I I hope you um... (laughs) know. If there's one thing I've learned is that there are smart people that are very skilled at everything everywhere. Thank you. And that's very kind of you to say. (laughs) No, I really believe that I, um, I do, but I, um, that I, I, I give you that background just to let you know that that's how I ended up. Yeah, I, I yeah. just think that we can be so focused on like what seems like the best well, thing. Yeah. And I don't think you're the first person who's come out of Yale or Harvard or any of the Ivy league schools and, and looked around at their life and thought, geez, I, I did everything that I, everything on the goal list. I met every goal. I went over every hurdle. And then you look around and think, but is this my life now? I mean, is this, I mean, is that kind of what you did? You were kind of like, okay, it now what? basically is what I did. I was kind of like, I'm not even quite sure how I ended up here. I, oh, I, man. Honestly, I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, pa- a deep passion of mine or, you that's, know, that's really pretty, just me. It's pretty stressful work too. I mean, cause you're, you're like <laughs> holding on to people's money basically. Like you're helping them make fortunes or not. That's, it, that would be challenging. I mean, to like, it was, leave, do you ever leave work at work or were you looking at like stocks no. and like trade? Like the- no, it wasn't. So I was, I was actually in um, commercial real estate. And oh, okay. by the end I was okay. actually investing in was just wholly owned properties. So like full properties and there, and I, I have to say the things I, I get a lot of joy out of just being a doer and getting right. things get done, done and doing a good job. 
whether it's doing a financial spreadsheet or, you know, making a knitting pattern, you know, either they both give me a lot of pleasure. Well, how hard was it for you to leave? I mean, what led you well, to that point? Honestly, it was just that it didn't feel right. And that's all I knew. It was like, I didn't choose this. It doesn't, I don't get joy out of it other than the kind of whole task oriented um, doer type right. satisfaction. But I, I just like had no passion for the content of what I was doing. And um, it really lacked, and I didn't really know this at the time, but it lacked the creativity that I was really seeking. But I, I honestly had been so in the mode of just like do, get to the next step and, and move forward, move forward, move forward. All I knew was that I wasn't happy. So we moved to Mountaintown. My husband's, my husband's rule was just that we not um, go to, he wanted, he didn't want to be in a remote mountain town. So I wanted to move to Jackson. <laughs> That's where I had led backpacking trips out of before. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, <laughs> we need some major sports teams here. That's, that's my one rule. <laughs> now, little did I know he was foretelling, I don't know somewhere in his subconscious, he might've known, but he ended up working. He now works for major sports teams. So um, oh, that's cool. he kind of had a little premonition there, but, um, but anyway, so we chose Boulder, we moved to Boulder, and we were jobless, and, and we just kind of floundered around, and we're trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And How, how old were we, you at the time? When, when you, when so at that this? time, I was almost 30, so I was 28, and um, honestly, I bumbled around a lot at that point because I, let's see, I started getting my master's in landscape architecture. That was the first kind of step. And I um, loved, I absolutely loved expressing myself through the art. Um, Basically a lot of the way in school, the way you were communicating your ideas were were through drawings and sketches. And um, I just, thrived on that and the, and the photography, a lot of the photo studies. And, and so that was like this little seed of like, I really like this. Well, then <laughs> I got a little sidetracked again and the real estate work pulled me back. They offered me a huge job and it made a lot of sense financially. And I thought I can pay for a bunch of school if I do this. And before I knew it, I was doing more real estate work again, remotely. And then I was pregnant and then I was pregnant again and then I was pregnant again of all things. So, um, by the time I had all those three kids and thought about, you know, the thought of going back to school, back to landscape architecture school didn't quite make sense. And, um, in combination with that, so I was doing a little bit of, um, just kind of hourly work, which, I could just squeeze in when I was able to. It was it was kind of nice. Again, that was still real estate oriented work, financial work, and um, and after my third child was born, my husband kind of knocked me by the wayside and said, <laughs> um, or surprised me at least by saying, "I'm going to quit my job." I'm like, "What? <laughs> You're going to do what?" And he said, I really have a deep passion to work in sports analytics and sports statistics, and I just want to pursue my dream. And I said, okay, um, I think we can do this. Uh, so I, I, we 
I ramped up my real estate work back up to 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And we had a nanny and um, my husband worked on sports statistics. And this meant a ton of travel for me and a ton of time away from the kids. And I was working really hard. And But, you know, my husband, this was something he really wanted to do. And it was a total departure from what he had been doing. And after about three years, there was a lot of tension. And, you know, he hadn't gotten a job anywhere um, on a sports team yet. And I just said to him, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm doing something that isn't making me happy. It wasn't when I was in New York and it's not now. And I really need to stop. He said, okay. And he went and got another uh, full-time job. And this time it was with a, a utility software company and he started working with them. And I started ramping down my real estate work as he started working full time. And it, it was at that time that I, when I kind of hit this crisis moment where I'm like, I can't, you know, I need to figure out what it is that, that makes me happy. Um, that I started thinking about what it was. And one of the big things was I love making. And I wasn't thinking about a career at the, at that point, but just more like I need to spend more time doing things that make me happy. Um, I want to be with the kids, but I need to, to do some stuff for myself here. And um, so what I decided was I, I would start writing a blog. And this was in 2011. And um, I thought if I write once a week and talk about the things that I make, then I will um, always be making something because I'm not going to talk about the same thing every week. Right. You kind of have to make new <laughs> things. Yes. I have to make new things. And so I obviously will make more time for it. So I started doing that and that's how Flax and Twine started. And I, um, I took to it right away. I mean, I, first of all, I, it was great to be making things again, but second of all, like I realized I really liked writing. I really like taking photographs. I really like making all these things. So it wasn't just the making part. It was kind of the whole package that I really liked. And before I knew it, I started, um, you know, I started following blogs and that was when I was listening to your podcast a lot. And you were, you were, you know, really consistently um, putting out. Yeah, I was doing every single week. Yes, it was, it was great. And, um, so that's when I just got really inspired, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write this blog, and I'm going to – it just was so much fun to grow it. Now, it wasn't – at that point, I wasn't thinking, like, this is going to be my career or I want a biz, uh, creative business. It was more just like, this feels right, and I'm going to keep going down this path. And um, then I started getting tutorials picked up by bigger blogs, and I started taking on bigger projects, and my following started growing, and – you know, at that point, I was still doing embroidery and jewelry making and knitting and um, and finger knitting was one of the other things that I was doing. Um, and so I was because the kids were enjoying it. And that was one of the things I, it was funny. I picked up a skein of yarn. Um, I was trying to knit and my kids were I'm like, come here, come here. I'll let you guys. You know, they weren't quite ready to knit. I'm like, I'll show you that. Let's play with some yarn. And I picked it up, and I honestly didn't remember knowing how to do it. 
but I picked up the skein of yarn and I started doing it. I think I was thinking I was going to show them Cat's Cradle or something, but before I knew it, I was finger knitting. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, but this is super fun and you guys are going to love it. And apparently I learned this when I was really little and forgot it, but it's awesome. And um, they took to it right away. They loved it. And before I knew it, they were making miles and miles and miles of finger knitting. And I thought, I can't, I mean, there was so much finger knitting in our house and I thought there's got to be a better way to use this stuff <laughs> because there was so much of it. And um, all the projects that I found online, or I didn't find many projects online, honestly, you know, there was the one strand scarf or um, things like that. And I thought that, you know, we, we got to come up with some better things. And so I, I did this series where it was like five fabulous finger knitting projects and I did a woven rug and I did um, uh, a wreath and, you know, I did a whole bunch of things and uh, I did a door curtain with bells uh, attached to it, <laughs> like a <laughs> 70s style. Um, and the kids loved it. And, and, and that was kind of filtered in with all my other projects, but that's how, um, this focus on finger knitting started. And as I was doing that, I, um, somebody asked me about arm knitting. This is about four years ago. Someone asked me if I had ever heard of it. And I hadn't, um, but I looked it up. And at that point, there was there weren't any resources. Um, I found one reference to it, and um, it was someone from a distance doing it. It wasn't it wasn't like a tutorial or anything. It was like um like a I don't know a, a demonstration or something like that. But she was she was arm knitting and. Um, I thought, I can figure that out. She looks like she's using the, her arms as needles. And so I started playing a lot and, like, doing a bunch of things. And I kind of figured it out. And I thought, this is really cool. And the minute I started seeing the the shift in scale, it's such a modern mm-hmm. shift in scale. It's so huge. I thought, this is amazing. And not just to make a scarf, but, like, for so many things, you know, whether it's a blanket or a rug or you know, these giant poofs or pillows. I just love that chunky, uh, oversized look. And um, the fabric that it makes is super lofty. It's just really airy and lovely. And I adore that. And it has a really nice drape to it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so for me, I really like arm knitting when it's full and seems like uh, just a standard knit fabric. Mm-hmm. And um So that, you know, I played a lot with different yarns and different weights and thicknesses and different numbers of strands and stuff like that to come up with um, projects that I like and fabrics that I like when I knit them up. And then I started playing a ton with techniques. So it's not just straight knitting. It's also um, purling, increasing, decreasing. We have a great cable Um, blanket in your Yeah, cable. Exactly. Cable, everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, you know, you can't turn it around. You can't knit them around. No. Somehow, you, and, you, you, know, you could maybe try to involve your head or that, something. Maybe a, know, contortionist, that a contortionist might be able to handle that, but yeah. <laughs> maybe. How long ago did you get in arm knitting? I, let's see, I would say it was probably three years ago. Okay. At this point. Okay. Um. I- Maybe a little bit. Oh, well, no, it was. No, it's more than that. I keep losing years because the book <laughs> took so long to write. Uh, no, it's, yeah. it, um, it was four years ago when I okay. first 
started. So at that point, um, did you have the aspiration to write a book about it? Did you think, I'm going to no, write a book about this? No, Okay, so how the, did this book come to be? Honestly, the finger knitting came up first. Um, I had started writing a book proposal on finger knitting because I, I just thought there weren't any re good resources for finger knitting out there to make mm -hmm. cool projects yeah. and beautiful projects. Um, because again, I think with the finger knitting, you still get that chunky knit look. Yes. And you can just make some really cool things just with your fingers. I think that's so amazing. It fingers is amazing. and yarn, and you can make gorgeous things. Um, and I really wanted to get that book out there. And so I had, um, I had put this proposal together and I sent it to an agent. And, you know, we went out to a bunch of publishers and it was this great, situation where I ended up having three different publishers want to publish a book and um well, that is great but they yeah it was exciting um but they each had their and this was almost two years ago now three very different visions for it um one wanted to do a kid's book and one wanted to do kind of a bible sort of book you know like 90 great fingernail project. Oh, wow. I don't know if it was that many, but it was no, a lot. It was like, a lot. I think it was 60. I think it was 60. And that just seemed overwhelming. Um, but the third one was Potter and they um, kind of got my whole vision of it being an adult oriented book, a book with projects for kids, lovely things you can make with kids and definitely things that kids can do, but also um, projects that adults could make and love and want right. in their homes and um, that was really important to me because I, I, I just think there is a universe of people out there that are interested in making things that feel that are intimidated by knitting or have tried it and thought, I can't do this or it was too difficult. And I think that both finger knitting and arm knitting are kind of easier to use because you're or easier to learn because you're not having to deal with the tools at the same time that your brain is learning a new movement. Right. You know, it's very just simple, simple movement orientation and you're physically pulling the yarn as opposed to trying to get a tool to pull the yarn. Right. Um, and I think that that is a much easier entree for a lot of people. So I just I, I started thinking as we, we talked about doing the finger knitting projects, I, we started talking with the publisher about doing the arm knitting as well. And so um, because we we I think she said my. I think my editor said something about like, this is, you know, this is so great to do all this knitting without needles. And that kind of brought in the whole arm knitting piece of it. And I said, yes, this whole thing is all knitting without needles. We can do all of this together in a book. And, um, and that's kind of how it all came about. And, um, and I remember one night before, as I was doing the proposal, this is one of my favorite memories of my daughter. I was talking to her about, you know, what I was working on. And I said, you know, I, mommy wants to put together a, a proposal for a, a finger knitting book and I need to come up with some really cool projects. She's like, Oh, let's think of some projects. <laughs> and we sat there at bedtime in her bed and we came up with, I think 40 different finger knit projects oh, together. Wow. You know, oh, we were sketching them out and talking about them. Oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do this. Oh, it'd be so awesome if we did that. And oh, that's um, so nice. Yeah, it was it was really lovely, and it was it's one of my favorite memories of my daughter. She just was so excited, and I was so excited, and it was that creative burst, you know. Mm -hmm. And so many of those 
projects ended up making it into the book. Oh, which, that's so which great. Really, really cool. Does your and, daughter uh, have a favorite project? What does she like to finger knit? Um, she just loves she loves to just finger knit straight. And so she like she loves the finger knit stool. That's one that um so one of the things about the book that's neat is it's not just standard finger knitting. And this is one of the things that I got to as I was exploring the craft. Um, I started thinking about how can we take this fabric that's coming off your fingers and create a wider fabric without having to sew it together. Um, And so I really worked with the finger knitting to come up with three new techniques to attach the strand to itself as you knit. Um, And to me, this kind of exploded the whole possibility of, you know, things you can make with finger knitting because all of a sudden you're not stuck to this four stitch wide fabric. Right. You think about it. I like to think about it in terms of chaining in crochet, like you're chaining, uh, you're, you're doing a chain, right. And to make a wider fabric, you turn it and then you crochet hook back into it. Right. Um, and it's the same thing with finger knitting. You basically can turn that strand and then hook back into the strand you just made to create a wider fabric. And, and that, you can do it in the spot. I mean, that just, the possibilities are really unlimited then, you know. I yes. Mean, yeah. Which is, to me, it's amazing. So, you know, you can do the a spiral just like you can, you know, like if you crochet a basket, you just, you know, go around and around kind of attaching new stitches to the outside of your spiral. It's the same thing with the finger knitting. So you can make these gorgeous um, finger knit baskets. Um, And the same is true with, you can make this blanket by, um, you know, as crochet, you know, as you go back and forth in a row, a row of um, crochet, you can do the same thing with the finger knitting. You know, you do, 20 stitches, you make a turn, you and you you make that same 20 stitches you just made, um, or the 20 rows you just did, you make four stitches wider, and then you turn it, and you can go and you can make a whole blanket out of finger knitting um, without having to sew strands together. And the other way is to do a strand of finger knitting, and then, you know, you cut and finish it, and then you start a new strand and attach it to the old strand at the same time. And so there's this beautiful scarf project in the book that does that where you, you know, as you do your new row of finger knitting, you're picking up um, the old row from the other strand. And then you move on to the next one, you pick up the next row and you, you knit a row on your fingers while you have picked up, a row from your old strand and you continue to do that for every row. And then you have the two finger knit strands attached and then you start again and you attach a third and then you attach a fourth as you fingered it. Well, it's really nice about that too, is you don't have, when you're done with the knitting, you're done. Like it's, you don't have to go back and attach and then realize, Oh, I don't have enough strands. And it's just, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, and it really has taken it beyond. This is the first book that I've seen that has, explained in a way that's not directed at children. I mean, children could follow this though. I mean, this is something the step-by-step photos are fantastic because kids, your daughter's age could open this and, and, and make something and that, but, but it appeals to adults because it's very well done and it has a great aesthetic to it. And the projects are, are very cool. 
And, um, and I mean, let's talk about some of these projects because um, you, the way this is set up for people who haven't seen the book yet, you have, how many projects do you have in here? Um, so there are 30 projects. They're split up into three chapters. Um, one is to wear and one is home and one is um, for play. It's on my list. I hope to get to it this week uh, to make one of these slouchy hats because it looks so yes. cute. And they look like they're just so fast to make compared to. They are. Uh, I mean, because you can be sitting at soccer or. Um, well, soccer is actually not a great place to, to knit in the cold. I've almost lost fingers doing that. Uh, it's a little too cold well, for that. Um, well, but no, I disagree with arm knitting. It's actually the best Arm knitting place would be great. Yes. But you when you're doing take... regular needles, not so great. Yes. No, that's not so good. That's not so good. But when you have three huge skeins of yarn and you're knitting it into a big blanket or a poof or a oh towel gosh, and yes, it and just your covers your lap as you go. Yes. You so can't get like much the, better than that at a yeah, soccer game. Yeah, the perfect game. thing. You just don't want your balls of yarn to roll onto the field. That could be the only That's catastrophe. Right. You, got, you have to get a good container. But, yes, the hats are super fast. You can make them. I mean, once you have arm knitting down, you can make a hat in about 15, 20 minutes. That's it's fantastic. pretty amazing. Yeah, you can't. And the thing yeah. is, well, you're going to invest more in your yarn because, obviously, you have to, you know, you have – it looks like this hat is made with, like, four or five strands, maybe six. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so, I mean, what did, for a lot of people, they're like, oh man, that's a lot of yarn. But I mean, what do you have to say to that? I mean, cause it seems like you're getting, um, you're getting gratification quickly <laughs> for your knitting. I mean, you can't do a hat in 15 minutes that looks good on needles with, you know, one strand of yarn, um, that fast. You just can't do it in 15 minutes. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, it does use a lot of yarn, but it doesn't use all that much more yarn than you would to make a hat of the same size right? Uh, in many much smaller gauge, you know, right. Um, you know, this, this hat, you know, the arm knit hat that you're talking about takes, um, let's see. And now this one is, this is interesting. So like, you know, this one I used a, um, a thinner, bulky yarn, but if you use a thicker yarn, it just takes 27 yards total. Okay. Um, not total, but each string. To make the whole hat, you need 27 yards. Which um, isn't very much. Of, which is not a lot, but what you need then is to bulk it up. So say I use three strands of uh, three strands that are 27 yards long, you're talking about 100 yards of um, yarn. But which is on par with what you would use if you're... For a regular yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, some of them, but some of them do take a lot of yarn, but some of them are much larger. I mean, if you were to make a knitted afghan or a knitted um, throw, that's a lot of yarn to make a large, you know. And a lot of time if you're not doing and a it lot on of time. big scale. Yeah. So, um, you know, yes, it, it it is a lot of yarn that you use, but at the same time, it's I don't find it that much more than what, traditional knitting would require for the same size shape um and it's much faster oh yeah um, well i love the which, fact that you've, you're doing cables too the cable blanket yeah. is gorgeous and how, how long you. did that take you so a rug of that size takes me about three or not a rug but a, a blanket of that size takes about three hours i think actually for people who don't know how to knit this is a great entry point because if you can arm knit and you can finger knit, then I think introducing the tools 
uh, will not be nearly as complicated than if you've never done any knitting at all and you're suddenly trying to figure out how do I knit and purl with these little pointy sticks. So <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. I mean, it really is a good um, entry point. And I, I have to say, you know, I've taught a lot of arm knitting classes and usually, you know, 75% of my students have never knit before and they all pick it up. They all really enjoy it and they're just like amazed. Oh my God, I cannot believe I did this. <laughs> and they get so excited and it's incredible. I love, I love teaching people how to arm knit, um, but, but they learn it you know, so quickly. And, um, and the same with the finger knitting. I mean, and, and actually I find the finger knitting very um, pleasurable in that same kind of repetitive motion Um sort of feeling that knitting gives, you know, kind of mm-hmm. that meditative, um, lovely feeling uh, while you're making something beautiful at the same time. So uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Well, yeah, I, have, I can tell that you really love figured in and arm knitting and plan to continue. And that's really awesome. The other project that I love in here, one of my favorite ones are the lace pillows. Um, Those are gorgeous, again, absolutely stunning, it, and I think it's shocking when you think that they're done without needle. I mean, you know what I mean? Because you look at them and you're like, "Whoa, that's really cool." So yeah, and it's very completely nice. just by doing doing the lace stitches with with your arms. It's it's really neat. So <laughs> that's where I think like it's not just a one trick pony. A lot of people no. have said, you know, oh, arm knitting, uh, it's you know, you know, make a towel and you're done. And I I just don't think that that's True. There are just so many ways you can apply traditional knitting, knitting techniques to the craft and make incredible things. Well, that's what makes you a pioneer in this area because you took it so much further than because I think the arm knitting was kind of like a, a it was a little bit of a craze for a while, like when it first hit and everyone was like, oh, I'm right. going to try this. And some people loved it and some people didn't. And um, and but I think what's so wonderful about what you did is that you thought, hmm, there's something here that I can really explore and just making, um, bringing those traditional knitting techniques beyond just a knit stitch or just purling. Uh, you've been able to do all the, pretty much anything you can do. Well, except we've, you can't go in the round. We've established that, right? Um, but, right. but anything you can do on straight needles back and forth, you've, but you've tried it in kind of in a supersized way and, it's so cool. And it, I think it does highlight you. too. You, you, you focused on, I know you do a lot of other things, but you, you focused in on this and created something really lovely. And I, Thank it's you. a very successful book because Thank I'm flipping you. through the pages and I have several marked of things I want to make. So uh, I consider that a very successful book when I'm like, whoa, there's now I need to freeze time and spend some time with <laughs> Yay. this. Yeah, no, it's really, and I love that I could do this with my daughters as well. Yeah, uh, that's one I of the mean, beautiful things about it. That's to me is one of my favorite things too. Is that you know you can make things with your children with this and um, and have them be projects together that you're proud to put out in your living room and on your you know throughout your house you know because or where or whatever and um, and there's things that you can make together and uh, that's that's really great. Um, but it's true. You know, as much as I love arm knitting and finger knitting, that's not all I do. And I don't, you know, intend to have that be my thing for the rest. You know, I will continue to explore it because I love it. But I really consider myself as a maker and um, an artist and, you know, a designer. And I just love to explore new things. So I I will continue to uh, do that with different crafts and um 
I don't know. I love, I do love fiber. I'm a big fiber fan. Um, but I do a lot of other, you know, I do paper and paint and, you know, all sorts of things on the blog, um, you know, that are, that are fun to make. So <laughs> I won't stop doing that. No, nor but, should uh, you. Yeah. It's great <laughs> to have, have all that variety. And I know one of the things in particular that's, um, gaining a lot of steam online is the the grand poof that you have going around. Yes. I understand there's a, even a tour happening. There so can is. You tell us a little it bit is, about that. It is called the Great American Poof Tour. And my idea was that we would make studios and homes cozy all across the country. Um, and so we have I have a list of twelve amazing bloggers and bloggers from across you know, varying fields. Um, I didn't want it to just be knitters because I really do think this book appeals to, to more than just knitters. Um, so I have a food blogger and an artist and uh, a home blogger and a designer, you know, uh, home design and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and, and then a crocheter and a knitter and a sewer and, you know, all exploring this book. Um, and And sharing kind of what their favorite things are, but also, um, sharing a poof in their home. And, uh, so that's, that's been so much fun to see those poofs in, in these different studios and homes. And these bloggers are so talented and lovely. And, you know, a lot of them are friends of mine or, you know, I've gotten to know through the years and I just am honored, um, by the list of people that have agreed to, to share the book. And, um, I'm so thankful for their support and, um, so it's been really neat. That's great. So did you fun. send, did, so are they make, so they're, they're just so folks understand they they have a copy of the book and they're, they're making these from the instructions in your book. Is that correct? No. So, so actually I made the poofs for everybody. Oh, um, I see. Okay. Okay. And then they're and displaying was, it in their house. And yeah, they're, they're displaying it in their house. And I really, you know, all of them could make the poof, but I just know from how crazy I am that, you know, when you're running your own creative business, oh, it's yeah. hard to find time to do to do those things. And I didn't want that to be a limiting factor in terms of right. um, getting getting the news out and stuff like that. But uh, I think a lot of them have, you know, have um, dived into the book and are excited about like making things, you know, like, for example, the faux Martha. She's <laughs> yeah. a food blogger, gorgeous blogger. And, you know, she made the wired word for her um, daughter's wall. And it's this oh, beautiful awesome. finger yeah. knit word across um, across her um, daughter's playroom. And it's adorable. Um, so things like that. I know that um, a lot of them are excited to make more, make oversized pillows and rugs and um, blankets. So they, we've all been... Um, are chattering about the fun things that are going to be going to be made out of the book so that's been really fun to see too like i never really dreamed that there would be a finger like advanced finger knitting projects and i think it's fantastic that this is happening <laughs> I, I really Thank do you. i think it's really cool you probably didn't imagine Yay. this either not so long ago and then you're like no Here we go. i couldn't i couldn't yeah, well it's... and so that kind of brings us back to kind of like we kind of skipped way ahead to the book um but like the little drama that was going on at home is that, you know, when I started out my blog, this was just a hobby and it was just a way for me to enjoy making. Right. And after, um, 
my husband went back to kind of a, a regular, you know, job, I started having a little bit more time and started growing that blog. And then, you know, to give my husband credit, he kept at it. He kept working on the sports statistics at night. So he would come home and would um, help me feed the kids, get them to bed. And then he would work from about nine to one every night, um, continuing to pursue the sports statistics. And so what kinds of things was he doing then? He was just taking data and and just running numbers on players? Is that what he was? Yeah, so he was he was working mainly on basketball and he was trying to get data where he could and he was working with a professor out of the University of Chicago and they were presenting papers at a conference at MIT and he continued to do that and even after the professor kind of went on his own, he continued to present at this conference and then he started working for the San Antonio Spurs, um, in, uh, which was cool. And he was doing that from home. And when he did that, I said, okay, you should quit your job again. You're now, it was, it was, it was pro bono at that point, I guess you would say, um, he was, uh, volunteering, uh, his work to them. But I said, look, you know, you're actually with a team, like knock the ball out of the park and make it happen. And I was still doing, you know, so even while, while this was all going on, I was still doing real estate work. I had started ramping down, but you know, I was continuing to help support the family that way. And, um, and I was still doing it at that point, you know, at that point, maybe I was working on my blog a third of my time and the real estate work a third of my time and just family life a third of the time. And, um, so he quit his job, started working on that full time. And I, I truly believe that whole notion that like, you can't, these opportunities come up when you make room for them. Um, and a month after he had quit his job and started doing that, he got called by the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. And, um, and you know, he went out to interview with them and he came back. He's like, I think this is it. Like, this is, you know, I think we're moving to Baltimore. And sure enough, you know, like three weeks later, we're all like, we're going to Baltimore. And, um, it was crazy. It was a crazy move. He went right away and I was dealing with the family and selling the house and all this stuff and finding a place in Baltimore. And, um, it was an incredible move, but but it was kind of that move that made me say, okay, I'm going to now he's, he's kind of, and he, he says this also, you know, he, this is what's so lovely to me. You know, he says, my dream wouldn't have been possible without you. And I want to support you while you pursue your dream. And, um, so he really encouraged me to just cut out the real estate work altogether and start um, taking my blog more seriously as a business. And so when we moved to Baltimore three years ago, that's, that's what I did. And it took me about a year to stop my um, freelance work with the real estate company. So it wasn't until I, you know, I guess it was maybe a little bit more than two years ago that I quit um, the real estate work altogether. And it was almost, you know, two weeks later, same sort of time frame when you kind of finally let go. And I just, I had always had such a hard time letting it go because it was security, it was money, it was good yeah. money. I, I, you know, it had come through for me early on to take care of my, me and my family. And, and, you know, through all this tumultuous stuff with my husband, it had like kept us secure and like, financing the family and so like I just had the hardest time letting it go but when I did 
you know, that's when this book opportunity came up and, and it wasn't just the book opportunity, but so many opportunities that have kind of come up when I finally just let it go. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it has just, you know, expanded from there. Um, and, and that's just been so exciting for me. And, and also for my husband, cause I know he, you know, he knows kind of the, the stuff I sacrificed in order to make his dreams come true. And, and so he really supports me. He doesn't get it. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of makers out there who have husbands that are like, what are you doing? Why are you spending your time on that? He, he, he doesn't really have the same aesthetic, like, uh, joys that I get out of creating something. <laughs> yeah, my husband doesn't um, either. <laughs> so Super supportive, I, you know, but, but not going to knit with me. Yeah. What, yeah, what I give him credit for is that despite that, he just still is like, you should do it. You should go. Yes, go to that conference. That's important. <laughs> As I, or, or whatever it is. Or yes, I'll, I'll take the kids while you finish, you know, putting washi tape on that cardboard. You know, it's just <laughs> like, um, not, I feel like not a lot of people would be that supportive. And he has been great. And um and uh, has just through the whole book process has been so supportive and just everything I do with my blog. And I, I, you know, I thought that um, it would get easier somehow or or less crazy once the book was over, but it somehow has seemed to get crazier and crazier. And um, so I, what I, this is what I've officially said. I, and I need to work on this. I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, but for four years, I've been saying, uh, since kind of right before we moved to Baltimore, my life is so insane. My life is so insane. It's just so crazy right now. It's just so nutty. And I realize I think that that is my standard way of living is this insane, mm-hmm. nutty life. And, um, and I'm really, it's starting to sink in that I've got to kind of change how I'm approaching my life to make it so that it's not insane to actively do that for myself and for my family, because, um, you know, it's just a lot of late nights making crazy running around with the family and, and, you know, to get my, we had this move to Baltimore and we're in a new town. We're trying to figure that out. And three years later, this is, you know, three months ago, my husband comes home and says, I've been hired away by, um, from the Ravens by Stan Kroenke and we're moving back to Denver and, uh, you know, our whole life is turning upside down again, which it did. (laughs) Um, so in working for Kroenke, he started working for multiple sports teams. He's working for the Nuggets and the Avs and, um, the St. Louis Rams and um, the Rapids, which is the soccer team here. And Kroenke also owns Arsenal. And so he's head of anal- sports analytics for all, all the Wow. That's exciting. Though. That's what a great opportunity. Huge opportunity. Yeah. I mean, there are just not that him. many people. Yeah. That own multiple sports teams like yeah. that. So it, so it was, it was Those really are some clear fun that, numbers to run. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. A lot of numbers, yeah. a lot of numbers to run. So, um, so again, then there was this crazy move back here, and, and and I wish somebody had told me three years ago that our move to Baltimore would have was going to only be three years because I think I would have approached that a little differently. Um, just would have, you know, knowing it was short term would have been easier. I kind of imagined it as as kind of a rest of our life move, and that yeah. was our intention when we went there. Um, so anyway. 
it has been a huge roller coaster the last few years. And the Ravens organization and, and team was just amazing. And I, I loved Baltimore and I didn't expect that, but I really did. It's an amazing city. Um, just full of character and grit and it's just a real, it just feels like a very real city and, um, just an amazing history and the people are just really incredible, uh, incredible fortitude. And I, I just, I can't say enough about Baltimore. It, it really was a, an amazing experience. I'm so glad that we had that time there. Um, and now we're back to Colorado. So that, uh, <laughs> just another crazy cross country move with, with some tea preteens. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a, a, so. a, a real fun age to move kids across the country. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you guys it's, survived it's, and you're there. Yes. You know. Yes, we are. And we're all kind of starting to dig in and get comfortable. And, and like I said, this is my year to, to adjust my insane tempo. Yeah. Um, to something that's a little more realistic. So um, it's funny, you know, you do, you get to that point where I've, you know, when you start out your blog or when I started out my blog, every opportunity I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Because I, you know, you're growing and you want to be um, out there as much as you can and, and, and making as much as you can. And um, so I've kind of kept that mentality um, through the years, which I think has been great. But I'm I'm kind of finally getting to the point where it's like, I think I need to start saying no. You are a great example to me and other bloggers out there of someone who has really dedicated yourself to producing the best blog you can and building, you know, just slowly and gradually just building to something that now you're teaching uh, all over the country. You're, um, you know, you have a book out, you have um, consistency with what you're, you know, the content you're providing. Uh, and that's really wonderful. Do you have advice Thank for people you. out there who are looking to get to that point? What are some things that you've had to do to just kind of organize your life so you can actually make that happen and commit to it? Oh, insanity. Like <laughs> I said, no, I, uh, um, it's hard to say. I mean, I think, I think that the thing that has made it possible is just that I love it so much. Um, I, I think I've written, you know, I, as I mentioned, um, I, you know, I left New York and that whole world not knowing what I wanted and I kind of just stumbled into it and I have discovered that I really have a passion for photography and styling and writing and creating and making things. And so it, it's ingrained in me to just love to do it and almost every single part of it. Um, and the teaching, I mean, my gosh, I love teaching people on the blog, how to make things. I love teaching people in person, how to make things because I get so much joy out of this and it's incredible to see other people get so much joy and getting those comments on my blog. Um, when people are so thrilled to think these are the things that just feed me and keep me going. So, um, in terms of making it work with the family, honestly, it's a lot of, hard work. You know, I get up, I tend to get up really early. I get up, you know, four thirty or five and I'm on the computer and working through the morning until the kids get up and then I get them off to school and, and, um, and go right back to work and work right until 
I need to pick them up. And then, um, you know, then there's homework and dinner and all that stuff. So um, what time do you and go to lot... bed if you get up so early? My word. <laughs> well, sometimes I, so one of the most important times of my kids is bedtime. I love to read to each of them every night. So by the time I finish, and this is, you know, they're, st- they're 10, 11, and 12. Right. And um, but by the time I finish reading, if I can make it to everybody, I'm, I'm done. So usually I'm, a lot of times I'm going to bed at 930. Okay. Um, and just, I literally crawl from my kid's room <laughs> to my bed <laughs> and pass out. Um Unless I have a lot to do, but there are nights while where if I have, you know, blog posts to get out or things to write or, or things to make, I'll stay up till 12, one in the morning, you know? Um, and then you're still to, getting up at five, two in the morning. No, then I tend to maybe miss that morning session, okay, but like in say. my ideal, and these, these are the times that are just too crazy, you know, right, they've just right. been too nutty. Um, you know, in my ideal world, I'd be, you know, getting up early in the morning and working out and then just keeping my blog time between nine and, you know, 245. Um, but I somehow have not managed to do that. And that's what I need to work, work on. I well, think it's hard. To and have I think that it, the balance it is, it is, it's really hard to have the balance. And, and, you know, as I've got, kind of gotten bigger, then there have been, you know, I'm doing stuff for Martha Stewart, or I just submitted a project to Sweet Paul, or, um, you know, I'm doing stuff for Molly Makes, you know, so I'm doing tons of work for other people, um, and other outlets. And I, I, it's, you know, those are the opportunities that are incredible, but also I need to kind of keep in check so that I have time, more time for myself and for my family. Um, But I guess in terms of advice, I just think keep doing what you, what you love to do. And don't, you know, don't listen to those people that are like, well, you can't do that or you can't do this, or you should, you should do this on your blog or you should do that. I mean, if I had followed that advice, I wouldn't be where I was. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah if you, would, I, you wouldn't have liked it if it wasn't something. Yeah, like I wouldn't have enjoyed it. And I, and I mean, I honestly, and, and people who follow me now, I worry about this. Are people following me because they want our knitting patterns for the rest of my life? Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, I will still do things in our knitting and I love our knitting, but you know, I love crocheting little bitty flowers and I love, you know, um, folding paper to make amazing things and, you know, trying new things. I just love to explore materials and crafts. And um, I've done a lot of weaving recently and I love it. And, you know, so there are just all these things that I can't stop doing. And, um, and um, so that's the advice I would give people is just, what is your passion in it? And just keep following that. I don't know if there's anything else that just the folks at home to know about, about your work, your book, or what to expect next. I don't know if you have other projects you want to tell us about. Well, I have this really exciting, if people want more arm knitting, there's going to be an amazing pattern in the next issue of Sweet Paul that I'm super excited for people oh, cool. to see. It kind of cool. takes it even to a, like, more wild and crazy, wild and wooly level. Now, is this something to um, wear or something for the home? You don't have to tell us any more than it's that. It's something for the home. Okay. It's something for the home and something for kids, although it is from the dreams of any person in this world, oh, I think. Awesome. But it's, awesome. And that's going to really be in cool. what issue of Sweet Paul? 
it's it's in the spring issue. Okay. It'll be in the spring issue. Okay. So and uh, so keep your eyes out for that. And then you know, I just honestly want to get back to consistently doing really cool projects and 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 different projects. You know, people. I'm about to go to the Creative Bug, and I, what I love about this is I'm teaching a finger knitting project and an arm knitting project and a um, crochet project, and um, you know just this huge variety. Oh, and a braid, just a braiding um, project, cool. um, and and that's what I love. That you know they they're they're all across the board, and I love teaching people how to make those different things and. Um, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely in that mindset where I could and would be excited for another book at some point. I haven't been scared away from that. I just have loved the whole process. I love, I mean, putting aside what's in the book, I just loved create, like coming up with a vision for the book and how I wanted it to look and, and the photographs. And, you know, I worked with such talented stylists and um, photographers um, on this book, um, they, they were kind of split up into two separate groups. I had a bunch of photographs and styling done in Utah with Brittany Jepson of the house that Lars built. She's super talented. And those were photographed by Jessica Peterson. So all the model shots, any shots where there were people in them were shot by them. And the cover, um, was shot by Jessica and styled by Brittany and then in New York, uh, my stylist was Pam Morris, and um, the photographer was Lucy Schaefer, and they did an amazing job too. Um, and I just, for me, I would really did a, most of the creative directing on on kind of how the whole piece was going to look, and and that was a real joy and a and wonderful experience for me. And I would love to be able to do that again. Um, so, I don't know. Wouldn't be surprised if there was another one coming coming down the pike. Um, awesome. Well, we'll look forward on to that, that front. So. Yeah. And to, yeah. do you have a subject matter that you might want to focus on next? Well, I'm going to keep that keep that under wraps. All at this right. Point. Well, we'll we'll keep. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have we'll to see what uh, what strikes my fancy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have the thing. The thing that's great too. I I know those of us who do multiple crafts. There's a a great repository to go to. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah. You have many options. So yeah. well, enjoy this this um you know run with this book and enjoy all the, the teaching opportunities that come with that and you know just he's, oh see that's it. the other ex- oh, yes. exciting thing. Sorry, just a little side thing, and that is that I'll be teaching at Vogue Knitting Live this January. Um, so, um, that and where will, is that going to be in January? Honor. Is it in New York? That's in New York. Okay. That's in yeah. New York. And so that, um, I mean, these are the little things that, that start to happen. That, uh, this is what I will say to people that put it on your vision board, put it on in that place or write it in the notebook where it's like, I would love to be X because honestly, like that's what's happened to where the last four years, I think, I would love to be featured on Design Sponge. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got featured on Design Sponge. Like, I would love to be in Molly Make. Oh my God, I'm in Molly Make, you know, or <laughs> whatever it is. I would love to write a book. I would love, like, these things that have been happening to me, they were on my list. They That's were on, awesome. like, this dream list. And it's just, it's really incredible to, to just, like, have it happen. And I, I truly believe that that's what happens when like your passions align with um, what you do in life. It's like these, 
it, it just is a natural kind of fit and starts to happen. These dreams start to happen because they're kind of what I feel like I found the thing that I was put on this earth to do. You know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's great. It's, it's an incredible feeling. So, um, put it on your list. That's yeah. what I would say. Well, that is wonderful advice. And I think it's really great to see, um, you know, what's possible. I mean, you're kind of demonstrating for people when you make a list, these are the things that start happening and that's fantastic. So I, congratulations to you on all your success and I can't wait to Thank see what you, you do so next. Much. A special thanks to Anne for spending time with us and sharing her story. I hope you all found it very inspiring. Just keep in mind that Anne used a vision board to kind of get to her goal and she made a list of things she wanted to do and just started pushing toward those things and it worked for her and it can work for you. So make your list and start going for it, folks. I know this is something that I am, uh, <laughs> I've been always been a big promoter of other people and their dreams and I'm actually starting to remember that I should also work on my own dreams as well. So I am uh, taking some of my own advice very recently and uh, buckling down. I want to get, and I know I've been saying this for two years that I want to get my magazine going again, but uh, Art Prize is over and John Lopez, who I supported through Art Prize, <laughs> we stood at his exhibit for, I don't know, 10 or 11 days. And um, that is behind us now. He actually placed in the top 25 for time-based entries and uh, he did not make the top 20 for uh, the final round, but he came close. And I'm very proud of him and his accomplishments. It was really fun to get to see the public interacting with his work, his Clayless project. And uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast I recorded with John. It's in my archive and um, hear his story. But he is actually the multimedia editor for Craft Sanity. We kind of took a little break so he could get his art prize stuff all together and ready for public viewing. And now that project is over and we're moving back to some Craft Sanity projects. And I'm really excited about that. We're actually uh, taking a road trip to go see Flower House Detroit on Friday. And that's going to be pretty excellent. We'll be bringing you a podcast soon about that. So there are some exciting things coming up, and so I also have some prints that I've been printing on paper. So I have some prints in the Etsy shop, so head over to craftsanity.com and have a look at those. I'm going to be posting a turtle print that I carved when I was in Hawaii over the summer, and I also am going to post a couple sheep prints, and I'm kind of doing some small print runs that are just kind of experimental. I am working on settling on what paper I want to use long term and standardizing some things, but I'm going to be selling off some of my my uh, initial prints at a discounted rate. So head over there if you're interested in checking that out. And I'm also going to be continuing to print on t-shirts. And if you have any requests, let me know because I love to carve blocks and print. So so yeah, so I'm working on getting my goals out there and, and just working toward them because there's a lot of stuff I want to do. And I would like to have Craft Sanity be more than a side project. And I would like the show to be a standard weekly thing. Heck, I'd like to record a show every day. Really, I would. So I'm working on just figuring out how to make that happen because I think my biggest hang-up with every all the stuff has been that I... Um, I kind of stall out when it comes to the asking for advertising support. Uh, that's something that I'm very uncomfortable doing. 
So um, with that said, if you would like to sponsor the show, get in contact because I'm actually at a point where I'm ready to push this to make it into something bigger. So if you can help me and I can help you, then heck, let's try to work together. All right, but I don't want to ramble on about this because I have a lot of work to do. I need to do less talking and more goal-focused work. So you folks take care, and I will be back really soon with another episode of the podcast. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time next week we'll be crafting on.